Hey everybody, Richard here, and thank you for clicking on another episode of the Enlightened Investing Podcast. In today's episode, for an investing part two, we're going to be talking about several questions that you may ask when thinking about investing in foreign stocks. So make sure to listen to the whole episode. Welcome back, everyone, to the Enlightened Investing Podcast, your educational podcast about the stock market. Joining us again for this episode is Mr. Charles D. Lutz III, the president of Intercontinental Wealth Advisors. In today's episode, we'll go over a lot of questions that you may ask when considering investing in foreign companies. So we'll start out with, in the United States, there's lots of rules and regulations that outline what you can and cannot do when investing and trading. For example, here in the United States, Companies are required to release lots of earnings reports and data to the public. Are there as many rules and regulations in other countries, say China or the United Kingdom? And in your opinion, is this a pro or a con? Well, with uh, in your last our last discussion in a previous episode, Richard, we talked about China and, and agreed upon some of the pretty amazing progress that's been made with regard to their economy and their financial markets over the last 18 months tied to the way they uh, they managed the pandemic process and got that under control as quickly as they did. So that the regulations that have been put into effect as their economy begins to recover and resume operation and so on, I think a great deal of thought was given to the structure for those regulations and what that would look like and how they could facilitate uh, the recovery of their financial markets. And so today, uh, I guess, although I would say again, beware because you're investing in a communist country, but I I think the regulatory environment in China today is an an advantage rather than a disadvantage. You mentioned uh, the UK, um, you know, maybe, but with all of the noise around Brexit, I think there has been cloudiness around their regulatory environment and, you know, trying to extricate themselves from the European Union and trying to create new trade partners as they gave up the efficiencies of the former trade partners that they had. So, but, you know, and, and, and it's incumbent upon an astute investor or the investor's investment advisor to understand those things and and to understand what the regulatory environment is in various countries in which that investor would be interested in investing and make sure that all of the nuances associated with investing in that particular country and its regulatory environment are measured. I think we take for granted a lot of the data and reports that we're given here in the United States. We just sort of think of them as something every company has to do. And part of the reason I mentioned China is because their regulations are so different. And, you know, I don't really know if this is a pro or con. I think it could be, I think it could go either way. Because, you know, as you yeah. know, and you've probably talked about in prior episodes or may have, Richard, but the, uh, the recession and the financial meltdown that we experienced in this country and globally in 2007, 2008, and the early parts of 2009, brought about a an ex, uh, far more intense regulatory environment in this country. And, and so I think now, and I think that was necessary. I, I, I'm not criticizing that one bit because order needed to be 
regained to, with financial markets and the creation of financial securities and, and synthetic products and, and all of those things that really threatened to bring the global economy to, to, the, to a precipice. So, but, and, and so then in the ensuing years, I think we sorted through some of that and, and some has some of that regulatory structure has, has, it has made sense to leave it in place. And there are parts of it that have been, uh, that have been loosened a little bit or lightened a little bit. So, you know, I, I think we, we just continue to find our way, but thankfully, and this is going to be a plug for central banks around the world. Thankfully, we have learned how to work in concert with other financial decision makers across the globe. And had we not been able to do that, you know, 12 or 13 years ago, when, when we went through that period, it, it could have ended differently. Yes, sir. I think, I think generally the more data you get, the better, because it's more you get to analyze when deciding whether or not to buy a stock. But, you know, on the other hand, if less data is being recorded, a company that you're invested in, maybe it's not performing well financially, but if they're not reporting their data, they could be taking advantage of looser regulations and maybe the share price is not influenced, even though they're not doing well. It could it could go either way. That's a very good point. Very good point. Yeah, yeah, and and data can be manipulated as as we know. So right. yeah, yes, sir. yeah. But 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 so I think that as you pointed out a few minutes ago, we do take for granted so much of the reporting that public companies are required to do in this country, and it gives us a sense of uh, confidence about much of the investing we do as it should, as it should, because we've got to be able to rely on that, on that information when making investment decisions. Yes, sir. And for our next question, is taxation different from domestic stocks when it comes to investing internationally? So what kinds of fees might you be dealing with? Well, our, our taxes. So, as, as you know, most foreign governments require U.S. brokerage firms to withhold tax on dividends that that companies based in other countries pay to U.S. citizens. So, through tax treaties, individual investors can can usually get get a refund of, of those taxes or or of those withheld those withheld profits, but only if the, if the investment is held in a taxable account. And so one must be very careful about investing in, in, in foreign companies in a, you know, a tax deferred account like an IRA or a 401k. So astute financial planners put the foreign investments into uh, taxable accounts. Um, it, again, it's just a matter of being as sophisticated as we can possibly be about the tax circumstances associated with investing globally and fees. I mean, you know, I, yeah, I mean, same thing. We've got to be keenly aware of what the costs of, of international investing are, what those costs are and what sorts of fees we might be subjected to. So when taxes are withheld from foreign stock dividends, U.S. tax rules let us use those taxes as a write-off on our U.S. income tax return. Um, so, you know, an investor can choose between using the foreign taxes paid as either a tax deduction, if we itemize deduction, or as a tax credit to reduce our final income tax bill. So, again, being supported by the best possible accounting advice that we can as we make investment decisions is, is such an important part of, of how, we, how we invest and how we do business. 
Yes, sir. I think it totally boils down to that. And just being aware, I guess, you know, I guess when you're looking at a foreign stock, you have to probably take some extra steps before you buy it. You and, you know, maybe look at what's going on in that country, that region, look at the taxes, some of the rules they have, because there's so many things that we take for granted here that other countries may, may not have there. So it's just important, and like you said, to have the right advice and to be aware of those. And, of course, one major con of foreign investing is that you're investing in companies that operate in places with very different governments, different societies, and different economies. So how, how might this impact your investing decision? You know, one thing I wanted to mention to you is the amount of uh, socially responsible investing, Richard, that, that is taking place right now, as well as uh, environmental sustainable or sustainability investing that's being done. And that draws scrutiny to, to what's going on behind the scenes in, in, in these countries in which we invest. Um, you know, how, how, their, how their government is organized, the legit, legitimacy of the government. If, if the people who are, who are running these governments are responsible people, if they're honest people, um, the, you know, the, the, the treatment of workers, the, the treatment of women and children. I mean, it, it just, you can't, one cannot invest in other countries with, without, or in my opinion, it, it would be very unwise to invest in other countries without peeling back some layers and, and truly understanding what's going on in those countries. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're wonderfully well-run governments in, in countries around the world, and, and there are those that just aren't, and, and that creates an unreasonable risk environment um, if, if one puts money into, you know, companies in those countries that could be subjected to irresponsible oversight by the government of that country. So investors simply need to be aware of geopolitical circumstances and risks when, when investing globally. Yes, for sure. I mean, governments from some countries, maybe they're corrupt. Economies can be more volatile than ours. Sometimes countries' economies aren't like as open as ours, as free as ours. Sometimes we may not know why share prices from foreign stocks go up. They can be, share prices can be manipulated. And yeah, so it boils down to like the question before this. Just do a little bit of research on whatever country that company's from. And yes, have the right advice if you're working with a full-service stockbroker. Absolutely. And I, I, I would wish that everyone could express that as well as you do, Richard. But no, you're absolutely right. And, and it's, it's just essential that you, that you work with the right firm when doing this sort of investing. Yes, sir. And for the final question of this episode, as someone who advises clients on international investing, what do you look for in a foreign company? Well, that's a good question. Let me let me think about that for a minute. So, um, the interest rates in, in their particular environment. So, what the costs of borrowing money uh, are for them to to produce whatever it is that they uh, produce. Economic growth in that region and changes in demand for for whatever or the elasticity of demand for whatever it is that they're producing you know, technological developments, uh, the productivity of capital in that, in that particular country or in the, you know, the, the use of capital 
in the in the companies in, in which we might be investing. Um, you know, wage costs and inflation and uh, governmental policy and things like that. So there, there's much to be known. Uh, but I guess essentially it's, it's, uh, it's investing with companies anywhere, anywhere in the world. It has to do with the ownership, the quality of management, the, uh, the treatment of employees, the accessibility to the products that they need or the resources that they need to, to create the products that they, that they build management, I can't overemphasize that, what their tax circumstances are, competition, what the competitive landscape is. And as you know, Richard, that can change. That can change pretty quickly. So um, there's much to think about. And it's, um, but it's a, it's a worthwhile exercise or experience to go through, right, to, to think about uh, what the opportunities are through investing in various countries and various types of companies. And that is going to conclude season two, episode two of the Enlightened Investing podcast, Foreign Investing part two. So Mr. Lutz, thank you so much for answering our questions today. And to everyone listening, be sure to leave a rating for our podcast. Email us with any questions you have at enlightenedinvesting at enlightenedinvesting.net. Follow our Instagram, at enlightened underscore investing and check out our website www.enlightenedinvesting.net where we have a blog with articles all about our episodes. So that's all for now and as always stay tuned for more. Disclaimer. Neither the host nor the guest speakers can guarantee possible outcome or profit from our discussions. Our ideas and opinions are based upon reliable information but in the end their only expressions are our best opinions and some of those opinions could be incorrect.